Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and I've brought on a familiar face back onto the podcast, Amanda Cruz. And if you want to hear a little bit more about her background, how she got started in mobile home parks, you can check out episode 342. But we are so pleased to have you back on the show today, Amanda. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Eileen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Amanda, give us an update a little bit about where you are on your real estate journey and how you're seeing the mobile home parks right now. Yeah. So I think when we met before, it was late 2021, and we probably had 60 lots across two parks. So we've doubled that now. We have 113 lots across four parks. And so we're you know continuing to grow in the space when it makes sense. And um, we also walked away from some deals this year. So moving forward where it makes sense. Awesome. So I have to ask you too, Amanda, it's not too long ago that you were on the show, but you've been able to double your portfolio. What are some of the actions that you had to do in order to scale up to that next level um, to build up your portfolio and continue that momentum that you were already having when we first met? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was creating a deal funnel. So when you're looking for your first deal, you don't necessarily need a system. We were very much just like going after the first one and calling ourselves, especially Jonathan. He was calling a lot of owners, you know, himself. Whereas now we have cataloged the parks that we're interested in. We have somebody who's looking up owners. We have somebody making the initial phone calls for us. So really systematizing that piece so that that's happening without our input. I think that's the biggest thing that's allowed us to get more parks. When you systemized it and created more of a funnel for it, what was the biggest thing that like that you had to focus on first in your processes? So specifically for parks, there's not one space where you go and just pull all of them down. So we had to build out a list. And that was very time-consuming. And just building a list of all the parks we care about. And we're scouting in North Carolina and South Carolina and some in Georgia. That's a lot of parks. But that was the biggest piece there. Got it. Can you share some of the areas where, like, as you're building out your list, you know, what are some of the different resources that you're utilizing to kind of help you build that out a little bit more? Individual counties. Uh, we'll reach out to the individual counties and ask them for lists of their parks, actually. And that's how we get most of ours. So, Amanda, in the mobile home park space, how is the current environment right now based off of what you're seeing? Are you doubling down in those markets that you're focused in or are you also looking for opportunities outside as well? Yeah. So on the opportunity side, we are open to other markets. I was just looking at one in outside of Louisville the other day in Kentucky, right? But mostly that would be if a broker brings it or I see it somewhere. We're not actively scouting off market outside of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I mean, the Carolinas 
have a lot of migration here. North Carolina had like 130,000 people move here in the past year, which was only beat by Texas and Florida. So there's a lot of migration, which makes it a really strong market in general. Obviously, there are a lot of jobs here. All of that promotes rent growth. So that's where we're really doubling down. And we can also be more competitive because we are located here. So if I'm comparing us to somebody who has to fly in from across the country to meet with a seller or perform due diligence, we can be more competitive and go, like once we're on the phone with the seller, we can just go meet them and drive their park with them and chat with them, which isn't something everybody can do if you're flying in. Um, so we're definitely doubling down in this area. And what about your investors? Are they still continuing to be really motivated and has a positive outlook on the mobile home park space and what the future may hold? You know, it's kind of funny. Our investors are a mixture of two different groups. So some people have heard me on like Bigger Pockets podcast, for instance. And so they're very active minded and they want to go own their own parks. And so they also love the space, right? They know mobile home parks and they're very excited about it. And then the other part of our investors are W-2 employees. Some people I worked with when I was an employee, right? And they don't really care. They honestly didn't care about the mobile home park space versus the multifamily space versus anything else. They wanted passive income. They wanted to invest in real estate. They didn't want to work for it. And they trusted me. And so those were the biggest pieces there. I mean, there are reasons that I talked to them about. Like There are four reasons that we love mobile home parks to this day. But it's not something that one of our investors literally didn't even know what a mobile home park was. And she, I was like, you live in Texas. They're all around you. Go find one so you can see what it looks like. And I'm sure once you pointed that out to her, she's driving down. They're just going to pop up everywhere right. now. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, you've definitely driven by them. So Amanda, you know, as you've been growing your portfolio, you've been putting out offers out over there for different parks and everything like that too. Has it been difficult finding the right types of properties compared to when you first started? Have the opportunities been more available to you to be able to find the right types of properties in today's market environment? It's definitely more challenging, right? Like the word is out on mobile home parks. It's not some secret. So a lot of investors are moving into this space. Even with prices coming down a little bit with the interest rate hikes over the past year, in the mobile home park space, it's still really, really competitive. And a lot of investors are kind of walking there because it's an affordable housing solution, which is really in need right now. So cap rates have gone up maybe a little bit, but I don't think as much as in other areas. And everywhere else in multifamily and in all the other asset classes, if investors don't need to sell right now, and if they have good financing, then they may just not be selling. So there is less on the market right now. And you know, I'm talking to sellers who have a certain price in mind, and maybe they heard it from a broker a year ago, or maybe they just have a price. And that's not realistic right now. And if they can't get their price, then they're not motivated. So yeah, I think there's just generally less inventory and more people in the space. Have you been able to see whether or not the returns have diminished a little bit more? Have they stabilized or are they consistent with what you've seen like over the past couple of years? And do you think that that will kind of continue on in the upcoming years as well? So for us, the returns have not diminished because we've gotten everything off market direct with sellers. So we're able to pay what we can pay. And I haven't come off of that. I'm not willing to go there and take more risk 
just because then we can get more deals and we could own a lot more assets right now. We could have grown a lot faster if we were willing to do that. But for me, there are very small amount of deals that we actually get compared to what I underwrite just because they don't work for us where potentially other investors would be more interested in taking that risk. And so overall, yes, it has gotten a lot more competitive just for us. That has meant really narrowing down what we're buying. When you're looking at your criteria and you're narrowing it down, what are some of the main factors that you look into? Yeah. So we want to be able to add value, a lot of value, right? We want to be able to double the value of the park within like three to five years, typically. And so sometimes that value add might just be, oh, rents are slightly under market. Okay. Well, that's generally not going to be enough for us. Or, hey, the park is stabilized, but you can infill five lots here. That's also great. I like infill. That's fine. But we need more than just infill. So we're looking for parks that are pretty big projects. And so that helps us narrow down as well. Like, What is the amount of value I can actually force in this asset? And as an operator in mobile home parks as well, as you've been operating over the last couple of years... Has there been any like major challenges or surprises that you weren't expecting as going in as an operator or maybe something that you didn't initially think about and then now you're facing it or something? Yeah. So we had always done tenant-owned homes, which is what we like. And then our latest park was a lot of park-owned homes that were moving over to tenant-owned homes. So that is certainly its own beast, like going in and getting them over to the tenants and fixing up the homes that were in bad shape from the owner who was 81 and still doing everything himself, which meant it wasn't really getting done, of course, right? So there's a lot of opportunity there, but there's a lot of work there. So that's definitely eye opening. <laughs> so Amanda, for you, are you going to continue to build out the mobile home parks and expand, double down in the Carolinas and Georgia and your current markets, and then with a little focus in other markets? Yep, definitely. We're looking to get a couple more parks this year. And honestly, I like non-residential commercial as well. Um, I've never been into multifamily. So I expect to pick up a couple buildings in the non-residential space as well. Got it. And you know, with your investors and how they've been seeing the markets and we've been seeing a lot of the interest rates move in, there's a lot of uh, flux in the real estate environment right now. Are they concerned at all about where the market may be going? Yeah, I mean, I do get a lot of questions on that. And I try to put that information out as well, right? In our newsletters and stuff. But that's what is on everybody's mind right now is what's happening with the economy. And, you know, we do expect it to be a tough year this year. Interest rates are unlikely to go down this year. So that's going to keep people who otherwise might list their parks from being on the markets. That's going to make more competition, right? I think there's also going to be some opportunity there because we have really good fixed terms on our loans. So we don't need to go refinance or sell, but some people will need to do that if they got bridge loans or other things coming up this year or next year. So I think there could be some opportunity there as well. Got it. 
And Amanda, you and your husband, Jonathan, work together in this business. And as you had been setting it up and trying to figure this all out, how did you determine who's going to be doing what? And then as you start to grow the business, how do you expand and grow your responsibilities? Yeah. So, you know, starting out, we went with our passions and our skill sets. And, you know, in ways that makes a good marriage, you have opposites that attract, right? So I'm the numbers person. I'm doing the underwriting, the process one. He loves to be boots on the ground. So he's our asset manager. He's going out and doing due diligence. He will talk to you for hours about septic systems and all this stuff. Like, I don't care. I can give you a 30 second overview of how it works, right? But he loves that stuff. So he's our asset manager. He's out there all the time. So we really just split roles that way. And I work with our investors, which works out. Like I like to chat with you with other people, right? So I work with our investors and do our underwriting. And then he does our asset management. Can you give us, you know, like a little bit of an insight into your process as you're building out your funnel, the deal flow, as you underwrite, put the property under contract and then close? Yeah. So we have, you know, a list of potentials that we're always following up with. So I have one virtual assistant who goes and gets the contact information for owners. And then I have another assistant who calls and just asks if they would be interested in an offer. And if they are, then she sets up a time for me to give them a call. So then I'll call and I'll get the information I need to do underwriting and I'll get an offer to them. Usually they're not ready the first time. So then you have to follow up with that. So let's say they are ready and you go under contract, then it moves to due diligence. So then that's another you know, two-month process of pumping septic tanks and getting them inspected and having electricians and all the things you do, right? Getting your funding lined up and then closed and then you move on to the asset management. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. One of the things we had kind of touched on a little bit earlier was the flux of the environment right now and like the rates and things are kind of just moving around and not really sure where everything will be landing, you know, over the next year, two years out. How do you and your husband prepare yourselves in case of some type of downturn? If we go into a recession, what do you look at to prepare yourselves for that? Yeah. So honestly, all of our assets are going to be great in case we go into a recession for several years. I mean, we don't have any loans that are coming up until 2026. So we are are in a really good spot. Actually, we had just refinanced our biggest park at the beginning of 2022 in January. So we're in a really good spot as far as having stable loans. And so we're really kind of on the offense. We're looking for opportunities and hoping to capture opportunities that might matriculate out over the next year or two. 
Got it. So since you first started and from where you are now today, what do you think has been the biggest, I guess, the biggest factor for being able to grow and scale your business? I think being able to face something you're afraid of with logic and then moving forward from that and making decisions. Because it's very easy, especially when you get started in real estate, to think of all the reasons that it could fail and that it could go wrong. But being able to face that, hey, what is really the worst case scenario? And for me, when I look at that, it's always financial because that's how my mind works. And so I can put numbers to that. Like what happens if we have no money left and we are completely broke? That's what I was going through when I was quitting my job like a year ago, right? But once you see that, you can put numbers to it and then think logically, like what's the worst case scenario? Oh, I have to go get another job working for somebody else, which is where I already was. Um, So yeah, being able to just remove some of that fear through logic. Now that we kind of got into this a little bit, I wanted to dive into that just a little bit about your transition also, because you started as an operator, started buying the mobile home parks while you were working full-time and then built up your portfolio, were able to leave your full-time job. And then now you're doing this full-time, you're doing real estate full-time. As you were first starting out on your journey and you were looking at you know the whole spectrum and where your journey could end or where you could end up leading up to, how did you plan those steps or did you think further and beyond of, you know, this is where I will end up and these are the steps I will take it? How did you start that process of planning the next five years or so? You know, I wish I could say that five years ago, I was like, we're going to get into mobile home parks and we're going to grow in that space. <laughs> but that was not on my radar whatsoever. Uh, we just started because I, I'd heard over and over that's the biggest thing is you just have to start. And we pivoted multiple times. So we started with the duplex and then we did a burr and then we did some individual mobile home stuff where we had notes on them. And then we got into mobile home parks. And so I think part of it is just being able to pivot when it makes sense and say, hey, this strategy, like single family homes or the duplex we had, we're getting a little bit of cash flow for each of these It's going to take too long. Now that I see this, it's going to take too long. Let's pivot to something that I think will get us there faster. And honestly, I have problems now even planning five years. I couldn't tell you what our life is going to look like in five years because it's moved faster than I could have imagined five years ago. Yeah, So I can't say that I had some like crystal ball and had always wanted to get into (laughs) mobile home parks. So how is your life now that you're full-time real estate... Is your husband still working full-time also? Or is he also full-time in the business with you? Yeah, he's also full-time. And so we're both full-time. And honestly, it's just provide us more freedom. So when I say full-time, I guess it's technically not because we work about 25 to 30 hours a week right now. One day a week, we each have a dedicated... Like I have a mommy day and he has a daddy day. <laughs> so we'll hang... You know, Our two-year-old's not... right. He's still in preschool three days a week. So then we each get one day with him just to hang out and go to the park or go to a museum or or whatever, which is is something we would never have gotten to do if we still had like corporate jobs. Um, So I think that's kind of the best part about it. Did you set out with real estate thinking that ultimately the end goal was to do this full time? Yes. So when we first had gotten into real estate, I already knew 
I loved my job. I really, really enjoyed it. And I also realized it wasn't fulfilling in a way that I could see myself doing that forever and retiring from a company. I just knew I wanted to build something myself. So we set out with the intention of not just you know building extra wealth on the side, but with making it full-time careers. And so I'm also curious to find out a little bit too, at what point in your real estate, as you're building up your portfolio, you were building out your cash flow, your passive income, your wealth, that you felt comfortable to make that decision? Gosh, that's a hard one because I'll be honest, I didn't feel 100% comfortable. It was still elite because now it's like, okay, well, you don't have this to fall back on, right? Because when you have a W 2 job, it's so nice that you have a paycheck coming in every other week. And now we already had that from our rental properties, like our big portfolio of parks, like those two pay for our entire living. So we did have that piece. So it wasn't a huge jump, but you're right. It is like, well, at a high income job, so do I really want to go without an extra $200,000 every year? No, no, but <laughs> it's worth it in the long run. One thing I had said earlier too is, you know, one set of your investors are people who are looking to get into the active side of things. They want to build up their own business. They want to do something similar to what you've been able to do in their careers and real estate. What is the first couple of steps that you usually share with them that they can start doing in order to get started on this path, whether or not it be active or investing in passively? Yeah. So on the active side, it's really finding a couple of parks and reach out to the owners. Look on the MLS, the residential MLS for parks, if you're looking for a small park. Um, just start reaching out and calling people and having those conversations. And then on the passive side, I always start my conversations with people who are interested in investing in what their goals are, right? Like I'm sure you do. Are you looking for cash flow now? Are you looking for the most return over time? Like what makes sense with your lifestyle? Are you looking to replace your W-2 income? Or are you just looking to build the most wealth? And then seeing how that fits into opportunities that we may have and what makes sense for them. If you could pinpoint like one resource that really helped you build up your knowledge base on the mobile home park space, could you share with us what that would be? Yeah. So Kevin Buck used to have this podcast on mobile home parks. And I think we listened to like 90% of those episodes. He doesn't even have it anymore, but I imagine they're still applicable. So if you were interested in getting in the space, I would definitely go look for Kevin Bob's podcast and just devour it. Awesome. Amanda, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing in the space? Our website is voyageinvesting.com. So head there. And if you're looking for the passive opportunities that we may have, you can sign up for our investor circle. And I post a lot on Instagram for both active and passive investing. So you can follow me at investing with Amanda. Thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. Thank you, Eileen. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, 
Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.